Hey, welcome back to the Collaboration Podcast. It's Wednesday, February the 18th. It's Happy New Year. It's Lunar New Year. I'm here. My name is Marvin Yu. I'm here once again with Minji Chang. What's up? I'm sorry. That was delayed because I'm Googling something. Is it really Lunar New Year today? It's Lunar New Year tomorrow. Yeah. And by tomorrow, I mean two days from when we're recording this. But Yeah, Thursday. So why are you saying it today? Because you say Happy New Year on New Year's Eve. It's, it's what you do, right? I don't. Well, then. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Thanks for joining us once again. Um, hope you guys all had a great long weekend. And if you didn't have a long weekend, I hope you had a regular weekend. But uh, it was quite a weekend for the both of us here. We had... A very long day on Sunday. We were at the San Gabriel Lunar New Year's Festival. Uh, my hometown, which is amazing, that's been lived there for about 25 years. It's the first time they've ever had a Chinese New Year thing. 626. Mm-hmm. I'm learning so much about LA. It was a really, 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 really long but amazing day. I had so much fun. <laughs> Neither of us could walk or speak or put sentences together at the end of it, but it was it was a really good day. Yeah, well... It was a really hot day, too. Sorry for those of you on the East Coast um, going through the blizzard and everything. We had, like, 80-plus degree weather, and, like, we had, we had to put on sunscreen and everything. It was, it was bad. I got it. Yeah. I'm not going to rub it in. It was just – it was a, it was a glorious day. It was actually kind of working against us at certain parts because we were running the entertainment in the outside area, and it was, you know, uncovered direct sunlight so around <laughs> noon when things are getting you know really lively nobody wanted to sit outside because they're burning so sorry to all of our east coast fam we have a lot of collaboration east coast family that were they're all kind of posting facebook posts about and putting up instagram about how how cold they were and all bundled up and blizzards and whatnot and it was a lot of snow too i don't know if you've ever been through like had to shovel snow or anything like when i was in the east coast i only had to do it maybe once or twice but like it's a it's a big hassle. Yeah, yeah. It's like well, it's 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 a whole ordeal because it's not just the shoveling, but it's like if you have to drive somewhere, which that would be a nightmare. I actually drove last year. I visited my baby brother in Michigan at Ann Arbor, and I rented a car. Was not ready for that <laughs> because it snowed the second day that I was there. So I was driving in snow, and I was driving on ice. So I oh. actually. I did a little bit of drifting, Tokyo drift style, not voluntarily, not wanting <laughs> to do that. Scared me to death. I was like, mm. I have no control over this vehicle. It is 2,000 plus pounds and I'm going to die. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing I can think of is if you're driving in LA and it's raining and you're like, you hydroplane, which is something that happens in LA because those streets don't get wet that often. Mm-hmm. Um, except you're hydroplaning sideways. I hydroplane, and I don't want to be dramatic about it. I was actually going to tweet about it, not while I was driving, of course. <laughs> while you're hydroplaning? No. no. Holy crap. But, I mean, it felt, it was like a momentous, I was like, I had heard about hydroplaning because you hear about that, and mm-hmm. then it happened. It's so scary. Again, it's I liken that to driving on ice. <laughs> it's just not fun to feel that out of control with when you're in a two-ton yeah. vehicle. <laughs> not okay. Yeah. And, like, speaking of those children, the suckiest part is just you have to do it right when it starts like building up because if you wait until like the morning or later on there's mm-hmm. that sheet of ice that goes that it, it develops over the snow mm-hmm. that makes it that much harder how does to the shovel. salt work then um it's basically i think it's just chemistry it's you know salt water freezes at a lower temperature okay so if you salt the ground it doesn't freeze gotcha that's my understanding Salt also, makes me think of chemistry, which I like because it's nerdy. And then it also makes me think of Home Alone and the scary guy, <laughs> yeah, who's actually I mean, the sweet guy and the hero. I mean, that's why you salt the driveway. That's why um, I remember I was in Canada once. They were talking about um, they like put gravel or rocks on the on the road so that your wheels get more traction. But that's also why all the cars have cracked windshields because uh, the rocks are the rocks towards it. Yeah, fling. it's just stuff. You Hard do. to live. Yeah. But it was a good weekend. Going back to our original thought. Yeah, it was really nice here in California. It's amazing. Great weather. Can you not? (laughs) I'm trying to be nice here and compassionate towards our colder brethren. And we have family in Chicago. Yeah. Marion's here. Marion Lee, our former collaboration Chicago director. She's actually in LA. She's been here for the last week and enjoying it. She was just texting me today. She's like, yep, leaving Thursday back to zero degree weather. (laughs) I just, I can't even imagine. 
So we should count our blessings is all. That's true. In this new year. Yeah. It's really crazy because I was just telling Marvin about this. I've never really been big on Lunar New Year. I am Korean American and, you know, my parents, my grandma, they all celebrate to a degree. But we really take care of all of our New Year celebration January 1st. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've just gone to the, is it, was it the Roman calendar? Is that what you call it? I think so. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, just, it's yeah. not the Lunar New Year. I mean, that's, and so occasionally, I think my grandma will make traditional tteokguk, like the dumpling and the mm. um, the rice cake soup, which is what we eat for New Year's, but not really, you know, in Lunar New Year time. I think it's mostly just the like the Chinese and the Vietnamese that really celebrate yeah. like, full on. And it's, I remember it always being a huge deal when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Like my parents would make Lice-y. way too much food. Um, I remember being in Taiwan one year and they were just shooting fireworks off the rooftops and things like that. Dang. Um, but party rock in Taiwan. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in, in China, they call it Twinjie, which is just spring festival. It's just when it's when everyone comes home from, you know, from the factories or whatever. Right. And, 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 and in Taiwan, it's just kind of, it's our new year, I guess. Like we also celebrate the, um, the, Western New Year. I'm mm-hmm. putting up quotation I mean, fingers. That's like kind of like the universal like, New Year. We don't only call it New Year. We call it like change, like Quanians. Like you're like stepping over to the next year. Okay. But um, Lunar New Year is when we actually say New Year. Like oh. Happy New Year. And we have this whole, all the tradition, you know, the red envelopes and everything. Um, yeah, we have a whole, like, we have a, like a bowing ceremony. Yeah. We do, you know, it's hibbit. So mm. we do this thing where, I mean, I've done this every year since I was, since I can remember. And it's always bowing to my parents and my grandparents and yeah. my aunts and uncles to wish them. And so I guess you do that. So you did that Lunar New Year. We do that January 1st. Yeah, no, we do that Lunar New Year. We do the whole, like, um, like, um, kuto, you know, it's like, you know, you, you're on your knees and you, like, bow. Yeah, and you yeah, say, yeah. you know, Happy New Year, wishing good health, good fortune, and, um. Something else that I forget right now. Oh, good luck, I guess. It's really, yeah, I'm yeah, Like, I love all that because, again, this this year, like, helping plan this festival, it was really, really cool. The city of San Gabriel um, worked in conjunction with KCM Agency. KCM Agency reached out to Collaboration for us to help with the entertainment portion of the whole shebang. So it was really fun for me. Marvin and I got to work in curating talent and putting up all these, like, it was, it was a full day. It was yeah. an eight-hour, eight-hour day. Eight-hour day of performances. I mean, we had a pretty much like a, a 16, 15, 16. You had a longer day than I did. But, I mean, it was yeah. a month well, of preparation. Yeah, I got there at 5 a.m. because I, I was helping out with the load-in. And yeah. then this was after a big, long Valentine's Day, too. Just like... Valentine's just Day. got home late, woke up early, and then powered through. I didn't. I was working, and then I slept early. <laughs> I wasn't out. <laughs> but anyway... That's another discussion for another time but are we can we discuss no we cannot um but yeah no it was a big long day um but it was a lot of fun got to see a lot of you know our friends a lot of um our collaboration friends that we've worked with and we always you know looking for ways to provide a platform for all of our artists as well it's it's just great to get them in and it's a great crowd and a lot of people are getting into it it was cool like like mormon said i mean if anybody watches the fung brothers i mean they they've kind of they've really um taken the 626 that's become their thing and i again i don't know that much i've only honestly known a lot about Mm k-town growing up i'm korean american so the main thing that i knew about los angeles is that it is korea number two which it is (laughs) and so i don't you know and then i know san francisco and i know san francisco's chinatown i grew up in east bay so i know oakland chinatown it's huge and bustling there's huge chinese population i grew up in san jose as well in cupertino and huge Chinese population but I didn't know that equivalent in LA which is the 626 and it was it's just a lot it's I'm learning a lot like we talked about like yeah. I've I've only really kind of known my Korean American niche and I'm expanding my horizons a little bit right. and with the like we were talking it was it was so fun because the performances that day you know we were providing the entertainment and for me it, it constantly drives home that idea of like the the culture and the entertainment you know, entertainment kind of has this very, a little bit of a, a shallow connotation. It doesn't, you know, entertainment just kind of sounds like, well, whatever is fun and distracts you, you right. know what I mean? But entertainment that day, it was for me much more meaningful. And I always kind of look at it this meaningful, cheesy way, but it's, it's culture, right? We were, right. we were bridging generations and, and, 
continents. You know what I mean? The first half of the day for the entertainment um, that we had with intention put together were traditional acts. Mm -hmm. So we had all, you know, fan dances. We had the dragon dance. We had the lion dance, which is the ceremonial opening act, which I didn't know. I didn't know that you're supposed to put the the lycee, the red envelope in the dragon's mouth. I (laughs) I didn't know that stuff, you know? I've seen it. There's a lot of different variations on that. Um, Another version I've seen is you put cabbage in its mouth, and then yeah. the person inside it rips it up and like spits it out. What What does the cabbage symbolize? Good luck. I don't know. Okay. Probably. It, I think it was everything is everything cabbage. about New Year's is you know setting it up so you have good fortune the rest of the year. So. I think cabbage, and I think of Ireland. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I think of cabbage and potato. So yeah. like you know that's that was a new thing for me to learn, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And then I also had this re- and Sean Mira um, again. We just got to. I love it because we get to work with friends and Sean Mira. Sean is, Mira of. Tuesday Night Cafe. Heck yeah. He's an amazing, amazing guy who's just really passionate about the community. He won Mr. Hyphen. He's a pageant winner. Yeah, he's a total pageant winner. And he's a great dancer, great orator. Like he's he has a great blog. He wrote something mm. great about the festival. But Sean and I were talking about this and again learning more things. Sean is Japanese American. Learning mm-hmm. that Japanese Americans are or Japanese are, you know, they don't celebrate Lunar New Year. And again, you you don't know these things when you're kind of ignorant and just flying. You're like, oh, all Asian people celebrate Lunar New Year. Right. No, they don't. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know that. And so he, he got on stage and shared that because he was hosting a yeah. segment of it. And uh, we were just talking like where where and when else do we ever get to really see cultural performances like this? We're just having that moment of like, right. I don't know when or where I would ever see like a fan dance. Mm-hmm. You know, like this yeah. is kind of it, and it's a it's a kind of a preservation of sorts of our roots. Yeah, and it's really cool, and and sad too, because you know what I mean. Like it's like, well, if who's gonna keep this going? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the acts that we were coming were you know community groups mm-hmm. or temples or things like that or schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bless their hearts. Yeah. Did you ever do any of that? Um, I did wushu for a little bit when I was no, uh. young. In a, uh, I got sent to, you know, Chinese school, CLC, whatever. And then part of the electives where you get to choose, uh, I think it was calligraphy or wushu. Can we find a video of you? I'm going to call your mom. <laughs> I'm so calling your I mom. I don't know if I have a video. I know a friend who probably has a video. Um, but, you know, that was a long time ago. I haven't done it in like maybe 20 years. That's so cool, though. Um, oh, then, so you were like a little kid. Yeah, and then um, being so, I, I was, um, I grew up in the SGV in San Gabriel, city of San Gabriel itself. So, like, the Lunar New Year Festival is really important. Like, not super, like, it was important, but also very, like, you no know, meaningful. But um, just, you know, being growing up in this area, so, you know, the history of the whole area was, you know, part of, like, the second, really the second mi- migration of, you know, Taiwanese to, into, um, California, you know, Monterey Park was, you know, being marketed as, you know, the new Taipei or little Taipei. And like a lot of Taiwanese families came during the 80s and mm-hmm. you know, my family included um, by Canada. But um, just growing up around a lot of Chinese, you know, when Lunar Year comes, Lunar New Year's comes up, it becomes, you know, our responsibility to, you know, be the um, to demonstrate. Yeah, yeah. To like, you know, to share our culture with the rest of our classmates, you know. I always grew up, I was joking, like, um, growing up from elementary school to high school to college, I've always been in schools that were, like, 40% Asian plus mm-hmm. up until mm-hmm. grad school, which is, you know, then it flipped. But mm-hmm. um, Lunar Year was always a chance for us to, or our parents kind of bring our food. Like, you know, the whole Fresh Out the Boat thing where, like, you, know, you bring your cultures food and people get grossed out. But, like, during our, during Lunar Year's, like, when we brought, like, the the dumplings and the the chow mein and like everyone just had a great time kind of sharing it yeah you know, so it was a little bit different for us it's a celebration you know? Yeah. you know yeah i think it's it's really important because you know the older i get and the the idea of family and seeing my friends around me get married and have children and you know it's kind of like well what are you what are you going to pass on to them mm-hmm. and it's interesting for me too because i even have this conversation with my parents you know my mom's she's not mean about it but she's always encouraging me she's like you know watch she wants me to watch more k dramas which i <laughs> have vehemently avoided and i hear i get it guys i heard that there's a lot of good ones lately but i haven't watched a full um i haven't watched a full k drama anything 
Since, so it's it's the, for like 11 years. So it's the reason because it's an accurate portrayal of Korean culture. Oh, it's or... so accurate. Oh, my God. It's like <laughs> everyone cries and everyone like, you know, it's just it's a bit much. But I, I get it. You know, it's like telenovelas. I get it. Yeah. But anyway, she's always wanted me to watch those so that I can learn more Korean. She really wants mm. me to be able to know her language. And it is partially my language. And the older I get, I'm like, dang, I really should work on Korean. And it's that whole identity thing. You know, we talk yeah. about it a lot. I honestly get a little bit tired of talking about it. But, you know, different things cue different thoughts. Yeah. And the idea of, like, having kids and, like, okay, well, what am I going to teach them? Will I make them go to Korean school? Whoever I end up, you know. <laughs> it's interesting because I know a lot of – I met a lot of people through – especially in going to college and going to grad school who, you know, grew up and their parents – openly encourage them not to speak the language yeah you know? i know people like that too and for me like i grew up speaking chinese mandarin first and then i'm pretty sure i learned english through watching the flintstones and sesame street because my <laughs> See, pa- tv culture because my parents didn't teach me that's for sure <laughs> so yeah um i mean by the time i was in kindergarten i was already fluent in english as well just by being in America, I guess. Right. But context. Yeah, your environment. Um, the idea of not being in a bilingual household it's kind of it, it seems a little, you know, like it's a little sad, I guess. Like that um there's this idea of like if you want to succeed in America, you can't be cultural at all. Yeah. Right. But I feel like that's changing. Mm-hmm. Re- I mean, right before our eyes. Mm-hmm. And not to be a big big fat head about it but it's it's exciting and it's encouraging to to feel and to be amongst people who are making these changes mm-hmm. i think it's is very exciting you're very it's it's anxiety it's anxious like it's anxious i can't no no english um it's it causes a lot of anxiety too the rep yeah. sweats again they're real but <laughs> it's 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 tremendous mm-hmm I, I, you take a step back and you, again, contextually, we are a very, very young demographic. We haven't been in the United States that long. Right. And I think over those decades, in tandem with technology and all that stuff, all the cultural elements that are kind of converging to create this moment where right. we are using technology and we're using our voice in a very specific way through specific means, yeah. through specific stories. Very, very, I mean, I'm just like really curious as to how this is going to be encapsulated in history books. You know what I mean? When the people refer yeah. back to pop culture, it's like that, that was, I feel like, you know, this is the, this is the year that Asian Americans blew up. <laughs> and I kind of think we're, we're, we're in a very crucial time for our cultural stuff because um, I don't know about, about you, but I know, I know like now that I'm, you know, in my, not in my young adulthood anymore, but like into my actual adulthood. Um <laughs> Are we? I'm, you know, conversations with our parents are a little more mature, I guess. You know, like we start talking about, like, more, I guess, more important things, but like things about, like, you know, why, like, just they're just opening up about why they came to America, their mm-hmm. their own struggles, and kind of now mm-hmm. that we can understand because now we're also poor and right, <laughs> you know, no, that, looking that's... for our you know place in the world, like we can relate more to what their struggles were too, and how to build a life. And there's a lot of different narratives just in our culture like the amalgamation of asian american you know, the vietnamese thai whatever mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. what um, drove people here yeah it's crazy and i remember when i was in college um i took an asian american studies course where a project um i did a video project about you know immigrant your immigrant stories right mm-hmm. from your parents and you know just you know learning about not only just you know taiwanese families but also like this whole generation of vietnamese families coming and they came in Directly from a war and just right. like what it took for them to get here. Right. Some of those stories are pretty, pretty amazing. And the trauma. Yeah. Like, again, I've, I've talked a lot about mental health, but it's kind of, it's important, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you if you don't have any sort of context or understanding, these people came from war-torn country or, you know, extreme poverty and, you know, all sorts of all sorts of different dynamics. And every, every group is really different. Mm-hmm. I mean, but then you get lumped into one group. Right. It's it's um, I don't know what the word is, but it's it's dangerous to do that. Though <laughs> I understand it, and yes, you know whatever. Yeah, I mean together we have more of a voice, but we're different voices, too, right? More different backgrounds. But I mean, if, if you even think about like even you, you and I, like our grandparents came from similar backgrounds, just like 
just a whole generation of just knowing nothing but war. You know, yeah. Civil War, yeah. World War II, all those things. You know, Weird. that was just like two, three generations Colonization. Ago, you know. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be eradicated. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I, okay, and I have no hard feelings. My father and I are very different. Like my dad would not buy Japanese products, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, as a child, tried. I was like, why don't we get, you know. For me, it was just a matter of electronics and cars. Yeah. <laughs> but for him, it's like, no, they did XYZ to my grandfather and my father. And blah, 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 you know, and I'll never. You don't understand that when you're a kid. She's like, well, why don't we own a Toyota? So how's, how does he feel about your Honda right now? He was honestly giving me crap about it. He's just like, I get it. It's it's a gas-efficient car, but whatever. It's a tin can. You're going to be crushed. You know, like, he's bought, he bought, like, Dodge, and he bought GMC, and he, like, he's so stubborn about it because he just was like, no. And that's real, though. Like, he's, mm-hmm. my dad and I had the most interesting conversation because, you know, my my family has definitely, we've had our ups and downs as a family, as Korean-Americans, whatever. You know, every family has mountains of problems. I would, you know, it is what it is. Right. And in one of these particularly rough patches, I was trying to build this bridge with my dad and try to, it's been a lifelong struggle. And we've made leaps and bounds. But mm-hmm. I really feel like I started to understand my dad as a person mm-hmm. and less as my dad only in the last like five years. I think that's pretty common. Yeah. And I feel the same way too. Yeah. It's just great because mm-hmm. I, what I said to him, and it was funny, and I'm going to throw it a bad word because that's how my dad talks. But I said, like, dad, thank you so much. Appa, like, you're amazing. And thank you for coming over to America. And you've done so many good things to, you've sacrificed so much for our family. And, you know, talking him up and just right. trying to, like, really make him feel good. Because I, I genuinely do appreciate that. And he looked at me and he shaked his head and he might get mad at me. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you're so full of shit, Minji. <laughs> And I was like, how dare you? Yeah. No, he just kind of laughed at me. He's like, he's shaking his head. He's like, you're so full of shit. And I was like, what? I just, I just said all these good things. Why am I, what? And then what he explained to me, he's, and it just humanized him immediately. He's like, do you think that when I was 23 and coming over from Korea that I thought about you, you didn't exist. You know what I mean? He had just gotten married. He was a young man. And I'm thinking Mm. about how I was, you know, my early twenties. Yeah. It is all about you. What am I going to do with my career? What do I want to do with my dreams? What's my purpose? Like, what am I good at? And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was just so like, oh, you were a young man too. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he was just like, I didn't care about you. You know, I wasn't thinking about you. You weren't there yet. That's the thing that you notice. It's just like, now that like, I have friends having kids too, it's like, man, I bet our parents were so much cooler before they had us. I know. You know? <laughs> Going out, drinking, like being all partying, whatever. Young and uh, young adulty and everything. And then they and then they had you. I was like, man, I can't do anything anymore. I have to like keep this thing alive. Well, you that's know? like that's the joke. I mean, everyone <laughs> jokes about parenthood because yeah, you're handing your life over to this little thing that depends on you for yeah. everything. But yes, my friend, my one of my girlfriends, like her mom joked because she loves going out. She's you know, we all love to have our good wild nights on Saturdays or whatever. And her mom was like, in Korean, like, <laughs> I go cl- night to club too. <laughs> and she was like, mom, stop it. She was like, my face is melting off. Don't say that to me. She goes, I go night to club. <laughs> our parents were young people too. And they're going to, and our, our children one day will say this and laugh and be so embarrassed by us. And we'll have this podcast. I mean, there's like cognitive dissonance because you go back. I remember going back to my, my, um, where my dad grew up in my grandma's place and this going over his old pictures when he was like doing his, you know, compulsory service in the army and like wearing bell bottoms because the seventies. Hell like, yeah. I'm like, I was looking, I was like, well, he looks just like my brother. My brother looks now. It's like, that's, that's not you. That's just my brother. <laughs> <laughs> wearing bell bottoms. Yeah. In the 70s. Why are you wearing such weird pants, man? <laughs> that's really funny. He had like the, like, feathered hair. Like, it was like totally like. Nice. Did he wear like giant glasses? He did. Yeah, my dad yeah. did too. And I actually bought a pair from like H&M, you know, because those are all the rage. And I started wearing those like a couple of years. It's really funny. And my brother was like, oh, you're wearing Oppo's glasses. So I was like, no, I bought these. <laughs> I look like a bug, whatever. I thought yeah. they were cool. I still think they are. So it's like my dad was ahead of my time in style. <laughs> Fashion cyclical. Yeah. yeah. I love fashion. Dude, all the 90s fashion that's come back now and platforms are back in their own special way all the flannel and the plaid yes and birkenstocks are back are they back 
they've been back. They've been See, back, and they're cute. I moved from Brooklyn like sandals to like flip flops, never came back. Yeah, you like, need to. A... I feel like flip flops, flip flops aren't big anymore. Are they so big? Yeah, maybe I'm just like well, not it... 21 anymore. Well, we're in LA. That's true. We can wear flip flops today. We felt like it. Mm. it. Some other people would lose phalanges if they dared to wear flip flops. So they're not that. You no, know, mm. they're not a that universal thing. But yes, Birkenstocks have made a comeback. I'm waiting, or I think people never stop wearing the Adidas sandals with the stripes, the blue ones with the white stripes. Adidas sandals? Yeah. I've had the shoes. The slippers. slippers. You, are you serious? Did people, like, that's part of, like, the Asian pride days. Like, people wear that. I thought with, it was like, K-Swiss. Socks. I always thought that was just K-Swiss. They like, had the K-Swiss. Yeah, that's the sneaker. I'm talking about the, dude, let me Google this for you. Now we're, we're segueing into our Asian top now. No, I think, no, that's going to be a whole other podcast. But um, we actually got somebody from Collab, our Collab, uh, Collab, our Collab Global Family. Um, somebody just posted something. Anne from Seattle, who I adore. I feel like Adidas was just always too expensive for my family to buy me, so. No, there are knockoffs, too. Uh, for every brand, there is a knockoff. Mm. Asian people know this. You're from China. Not China. Not China, but you're Chinese. Yeah. You're, Yeah. And I'm Korean, and we are, like, together, two of the biggest knockoff <laughs> producing, <laughs> knockoff producers of the world. This is true. And I lived in Paris for a little bit, and there were people guarding Louis Vuitton, guarding, like, they were like, do not let, they were, like, vigilant about keeping certain tourists out, because they know that they're there to buy and knock off really? their products. And you see what happened? It's, it's not it's, that, it's the, it's all the Chinese and, like, Thai, like, manufacturing mm-hmm. manufacturers who manufacture a little extra to mm. sell without the brand on it oh god no korea well okay i don't know how that works in thailand or, or in china mm-hmm. but korean people and this is not a brag but we would like they they would get in trouble for being too close too like there, there were little differentiations, like pr- instead of Prada, you have Prado, yeah. which was famous in, ser- in Serendipity. Yeah. But, you know, you had that. But in Korea, they would like, to a T, imitate the crap out of Louis Vuitton or whatever. So it was indistinguishable. That's when it was like, and they would sell it for hundreds of dollars. They would mark up the price. It'd still be cheaper. But anyway, I don't know how we got in the conversation. I probably wouldn't even notice. But yeah. Okay. I've seen these sandals. Yes. Everyone wore these sandals. This was a thing. People wore it with socks. That was the style. White socks and Adidas slippers. But we couldn't wear them to school because they had like shoes only rules. No, I, I remember people wore this to school. Oh, Maybe nice they school. made that as a result of this, but this was a style. <laughs> Weird style. My guys. middle school considered a uniform policy. So we had to wear like polo shirts and slaps every day. <sighs> Where's the individualism? Where's the uniqueness in that? Yeah. Anyway, so we talked about Lunar New Year. Yeah, how do we get, let's, let's roll back to um, where we were, we were before. Happy Lunar New Year. Happy Lunar New Year. Year of the Ram. Everyone. Year of the Sheep. Goat. I heard goat too. What is it? It's Make ra- up your mind. I think it's Ram or Sheep. Ram's just a dude sheep, right? Yeah. Yeah. So either of those. I don't know about goat. I yeah. Like I heard goat. Different. Someone said goat at the festival on Sunday. Anyway. That sounds wrong. We're, we're on the sheep and ram team. As an expert on the Chinese zodiac. Yes. That sounds wrong. <laughs> okay well whoever was born in the year of the ram or sheep this is your year congratulations actually i hear the year that you're born mm-hmm. i mean the if it's the year of your zodiac signs actually you have to actually be cautious oh again learning something new or i might just be misremembering that but yeah like you're gonna, we should get thing. feedback people correcting you just jenny ask an asian yeah number two is out <laughs> so proud by the way that um if you guys are haven't checked it out yet um our interview with eugene lee yang of, of buzzfeed went up and it's 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 hot it's getting a lot of yeah, yeah a lot of great commentary we we did not know this marvin and i are actually we were the ones that actually got to go into buzzfeed office which is really fun we hadn't i had no idea until today that that was eugene's very first official interview ever so we're extremely honored um, to be part of this 
<laughs> you know, it's a milestone. I mean, that's really cool for him. He's been working his butt off and like, I'm surprised. That was, that was why I was so shocked. I was like, how has he never been interviewed until now? So yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, he's only been like on the video some, I even think ha- more than like half a year, maybe a year. Like, no, he was saying, well, he's been making stuff for, I think since 2013, if I rec- recall co- correctly, but I mean, yeah, his, uh, I guess the recognizableness. Yeah. <laughs> Rec- recognizability. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that <laughs> of his face has, you know, and his hair and his hair it just gets bigger and bigger. His glorious hair. Yeah. It's just, it, it's taken off. Yeah. In the last several months, but again, I'm still shocked yeah. that, you know, hot scoops on the collaboration blog. Check it out. For real though. <laughs> yeah. Props to, to Eugene. There's yeah. a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of really great stuff coming out. Uh, and speaking of BuzzFeed, I always think of Jenny, her second video of ask mm-hmm. Asian, like those questions, man, <laughs> ridiculous. You're yeah. kidding me. Those comments too. No, I don't want to. The comments make my soul die. So it's just, I can't. I just can't even. It's too much. Just saying, if you take a look at it, she may be sarcastic, but it's because the questions are pretty dumb. Someone said that, right, in the comments? Uh, I'm pretty sure I said that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, again, you guys, this is just, we're, we're holding a mirror to what it is right now. Everybody's yeah. just stopping so mad. And then Phil's getting sued. Uh, that's that's. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, I don't even know what I need to read up on that. There's too many yeah. things happening right now, so many things. Yeah. So I totally got. I got. Uh, I don't going even on know. a tangent now. Let's go. Let's no, I, I want. No, I'm all in. Let's the, do it. No, huh? <laughs> I'm all in. Let's go. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the SNL thing. So I started talking about it. Um, because Anne commented on our, our request for you know questions, mm-hmm. she was she was just commenting because the SNL forty was a couple days ago. I still mm-hmm. haven't watched the whole thing. Heard it was epic. We were busy at the festival, so mm-hmm. we could not watch it. But it looked pretty amazing. Like every person under the sun, whoever mattered with SNL came back. It's so amazing. Three and a half hours. We need to do that for collaboration. I still really want to do it. We're gonna make um, it happen. We can make it happen. Yeah. But um, anyway, it was just that commentary talking about Asian American representation, like the right. lack thereof in SNL. And I, mean, I think in, all we have is Rob Schneider, and like, is he half or quarter Filipino? I think he's half. Mm. I think he's half. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't Maya Rudolph like part Indian, or am I remembering that wrong? I'll have to Google. Mm. Uh, yeah, Lauren says that Rob Schneider was Hoppe. So Anne's commentary was that, you know, Sashir Zamata was the first African-American female SNL cast member in six years since Maya Rudolph, who I don't believe is full African-American. Mm-hmm. And even more so, we haven't seen any Asian-American cast members um, or even hosts since Lucy Liu on SNL. So Randall Park, we're waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact of the day, Saturday Night Live was, has only had two hosts of Asian descent since its premiere in 1975. So we definitely need more diversity on huge entertainment platforms like SNL. And it's crazy because comedy, you know, comedy is huge. And Jenny's living proof of that. Mm-hmm. Eugene's proof of that. Comedy is such a great way to to segue or to speak candidly about right. really big things that are maybe really hard to digest in any sort of serious tone. Mm-hmm. You go with comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Kind of using comedy to highlight how absurd things actually are. Right. And satire and everything, you know. God bless Stephen Colbert, like, and (laughs) Jon Stewart, who's leaving The Daily Show. Yeah, who's going to take over that? I have no idea. The world is changing. See, do you see what I'm saying? Everything is changing, and I don't know how to deal with it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, SNL, I mean, I personally know, we, we know really great comedians, and there's comedians, obviously, that we haven't met that are... I mean, I could see them on SNL so easily. Yeah. So I just, I'm wondering. We should make our own sketch show through collaboration. Down. Down. Just, you know, find some studio space, get some cameras, some props. See, this is what I would love to elaborate. Like, until I became an actor, until I became part of collaboration, all of that is just unknown to me. Mm. A production. What the heck does that even entail? If anybody, and that's what I love to talk about in a podcast, just mm-hmm. kind of like A to Z, like run people through, this is from pre to post. Right. This is what it takes to do one skit, right? And it could be incredibly complex. It could be really simple. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's like, 
the magic of Hollywood. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one yeah. knows that. So. Well, even, you know, you hear about, you know, people making events look like pop. And even though there's like half capacity there, you know, just how you, how you Any shoot festival. it. How you, you know. Yeah. Present it. Let's get Andrew yeah. Rose up in here. <laughs> He's done a lot of cool things. But back to SNL. I mean. It's my, I'm, I'm a huge, I mean, I put together a Pinterest concept board for my career and who do I look up to and whose career would I love to have if, you know, if I could have my acting career go any certain way mm-hmm. and SNL women were like something like, you know, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, Kristen Wiig, mm-hmm. Rachel Dratch, like all of them. They're just brilliant. They're so real. They're hilarious. They're on point and so smart and so sharp. And so, ugh, I just love them all. You know what I mean? And yeah. and um, it's crazy for me to learn more about the improv scene. I've heard about it for so long. I've done a couple classes in Berkeley. Um, improv is really difficult, as you can see. And mm. as you can see that not everybody can just make it on SNL. Yeah. But to do sketch comedy like that. Um, <sighs> yeah, I'm going to – let's – dive deeper in this segue um i think we're already yeah way out the show so no so let's let's see where this takes us but yeah i mean i told okay. you this before but like in when i was doing my mba program one of the first things they made us do was take an improv class uh-huh. and just like the ability to be good at improv is really the ability to be open mm-hmm. to anything like being open to new ideas being open to going where this scene takes you yes and, not and. Like, yeah like without Without trying to force something, you know, like the worst thing you can do in improv, anything, it's like trying to plan ahead. force your agenda, you know, like, yeah. like I have this joke, I want to get it out, you know, and then you just end up killing the scene, right? Right. Or killing the activity. Right. It's a lot about trust too. It's crazy. Cause I was actually hanging out with, um, I had a little mini reunion with some actor friends of mine the other night, last night actually. And several of them are in improv classes and they're in very, like very prestigious Improv classes, you know, I.O., the Improv Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in UCB, the United... Uh, Uptight, up, upright, right, I was like, Citizens United. Brigade. I'm thinking of the USA, excuse me. <laughs> the Upright Citizens Brigade, mm-hmm. excuse me. And Groundlings, you know, these are like, yeah. this is where SNL comes from. Right. And it's it's cool to like learn, well, what do you learn from improv class? Right? You're like, oh, you just go do games and stuff. No, you learn character, how to build a character, right. how to... Um, be very present and how to yeah. build trust with your teammates and how to riff off of them yeah, and how, how to support to... their what their ideas are exactly you know? yeah because it's not all about you and it's a it's, it's a very collaborative effort which i freaking love but it's that's what's scary because you're not singular singularly driving anything by yourself yeah you know what i mean you yeah. have to have your partner and that's what's so cool to me that's what makes me so excited to take one of these classes <laughs> if i can ever get in Um, but that's what is a skill. And that's what I would love for comedians, you know, Asian American comedians to get out there. Cause like, who knows what kind of stuff they would bring. And even like I was talking like for our business school, like business students are stereotypically like, you know, type A personalities, really like gunners and, you know, their take charge leadership, whatever. But then, you know, business school classes are all about teamwork and working together and like even though we joke about it, we did apply a lot of what we learned from those improv classes in our work, and it really allowed us to work better together. Right. You know, and it's it's everyone who just wants to be a better teammate or mm-hmm. work better with people mm-hmm. should take an improv class. You know. Amen. Yeah. Even Word one or two, up. just like open the open your mind to the idea, like because one of the, the things that you know we all were kind of surprised is like. The first couple of classes we took, we didn't do any like verbal exercises. Mm-hmm. It's all just being able to understand your surroundings and mm-hmm. react. Mm-hmm. And you know, until until that we until we we became, we became comfortable with that, we didn't do any of those like you know ABC or like those like more like comedy exercises. You know, right, yeah. right. Well, I think it's interesting because the word that I've read because I read Tina Fey's Bossy Pants. I'm reading Yes Please right now. Huge fan of both of them. If mm-hmm. anybody wants to read a funny, enlightening book, please read Bossy Pants and or Yes, Please. But it's not even the word react because I think I don't I forgot how they broke it down. But they're saying rather than using the react, it's respond. Right. Because respond means that you took it in and you're like, OK, and then 
this is what I'm going to say back to you. Even if it's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, real life, you're not going to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, no, yeah. <laughs> whatever that answer is. And, and that's something that, again, I mean, I don't want to turn everything into some psychoanalysis of culture and, you know, like how we are raised in Confucianism, but it's kind of like, you know, I just remember growing up and being kind of told what to do. Right. I get directions and I do it. So when it comes to somebody telling me what to do historically as a young person, again, when you're kind of programmed that way, I was very used to being, okay, yeah. you do blah, blah, blah. Yes. Okay. And I'll do it well. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's what changes when you kind of take that ownership of your own right. destiny or whatever you want to call it. This is what I'm going to do. And I was rebellious. I'm a brat from out of the womb. <laughs> and I was always fighting against my dad and, you know, asserting my opinion and whatever. And I think that's critical to whatever career pursuit and, and comedy and improv and all that stuff. It all kind of ties together of like just doing things a different way. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. It, it makes so much sense to me in my head. I don't know if I communicated that clearly. If that makes sense, just let us know in the comments. Yes. Yeah. Excuse me. This <laughs> what happens when I start unleashing all my feelings. Yeah. <clears throat> but back to Anne's comment. I would love to see an Asian American person on SNL. And I think there's already people who could do it now, to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, just it's a process. That part of that special was watching the audition videos mm. of all the famous people that did end up on SNL watching all of their auditions. And it is hard. Okay, if you are on the spot, you're on, you have cameras on you and you have to start doing like they just had to do accents, which I'm sorry, like <laughs> people, we got some great accents out there. Are you crazy? Mm. And I like that we can laugh about it because it's like, well, people argue with that about fresh off the boat, but they have to do accents. They have to just create all these weird characters. They have to show that their variations in physicality. You know, yeah. their their facial contortions. It's like they just got to be wacky and out there. <laughs> it's awesome. But that's how they end up being great SNL cast. Yeah. So we'll see if I can achieve my day, when, like my dream one day. One day gonna... you'll be on SNL. I don't know. <laughs> like that's – and God, and we're, again, realizing that people actually listen to this podcast. Um, I would Do love you? To... Are you listening right now? Please comment so we know you, that you exist. Yes, please do. <laughs> And don't crush my dreams. I'm saying it out loud. And I feel very scared, but I would love to be on SNL one day. Mm. I would love to be worthy of, in any way, interacting with those people. Yeah. It would be really, really fun. <laughs> and it's All not right. about me. This is about SNL and Asian Americans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, our initial banter is taking about 40 minutes. So okay. um, let's just quickly move through um, move through the, the agenda, I guess. Um, we don't. We'll just touch on these lightly, and then we'll get to the you know the wrap up later. But just um, collaboration updates. You know, open mic season is here again. You know, so if you guys keep keep tabs on your collaboration city, if they're having open mic, check it out. Um, we've been seeing pictures of the ones from Chicago, Houston. They look amazing. So definitely packed houses, man. Yeah, yeah. We had a big one in um, L.A. last weekend. Mm-hmm. Some great acts there. Yeah. Yeah, we had it was it was a different setup. It was it, back in Koreatown. Mm-hmm. And we actually haven't had an open mic in Koreatown ever. We had it in Little Tokyo. I think it's yeah, I think it's been. And we took it up to Pasadena. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really interesting. We had a, a group of interns from Seoul who were helping organize. You know, they had a project that they wanted to do in their month in LA, and so they helped us. Um, yeah, they're from the Seoul Institute of Arts. Right? Institute of Arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are amazing. They're so they're all like editors or set mm-hmm. designers or producers, and it's. Just, so much fun they had never done a live event before so that's what's really cool because they're working on film they're like i don't know how to put together an open mic (laughs) they're so scared and but they did such a great job they did a really good job yeah the monitor sound and everything heck yeah yeah. and they did the lineup and you know even lewis who's not very you know english is not his first or strong second language but he got up and introduced people so proud yeah job interns yeah and the lineup was good (laughs) It was, it was really, we had some stand up comics. Yeah. See? I mean, that takes a lot of guts, too. Heck yeah. yeah. Have you ever done it? Stand up comedy? Yeah. Nope. Pray that you never have to, or maybe I'll challenge you to do that. Nope. I had to do it for acting class. I almost, again, barfed all over the place. <laughs> it is terrifying. 
like props to any stand-up comedian. Danny Cho came out to our open mic. Danny Cho, who's an amazing stand-up comedian, and he's also in K-Town Cowboys. Um, what was your best joke? I didn't have one. I was just trying not to die. I guess that's funny. <laughs> Literally. I was having a stroke, dude. It's not... F- it's very like... Because you... The worst thing is just the silence. Mm-hmm. If you have no laughter and you're trying to be funny... I think PK is the one who said it. It's like going up to like a room full of girls as a guy <laughs> and having all of them shut you down at once. Oh. It's so. I would just curl up in the ball and die. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty harsh. But I mean, people, that's why people who are funny, I mean, that's why we appreciate them so much. Yeah. It is a skill. It's a lot of guts. But yeah, good open mic night and gutsy yeah. people coming out representing. Yeah. And they're happening all over Houston, Chicago, New York. So um, check it out. Auditions are still open, so Chicago um, Live Auditions on March 28th. So um, check out their website to uh, register if you're interested in trying out. Um, Houston and D.C. both have their online auditions up, so um, check them out as well. Yeah. 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 Looking forward to those. Be bold, you guys. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some news now. There'll be music <laughs> soon. I've been talking to a couple of composers, and we're going to have actual music soon, but until then... It's all about the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
Um, I'm curious. Again, so this is actually another thing that we talk about in podcasts, and I'd love to get some outside thoughts on this, but just the whole... He, I think, I believe that Daniel Henney is one of like he made a, a chunk of his career in Asia. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's that that whole dynamic that's going on right now with the the K-pop wave and all that stuff and um, how people are opting out of Hollywood or out of the right. states because they're not finding the work that they want and then kind of going to Asia to do it. And Daniel Henney is kind of one of the examples of that. And I would, and it's great. I think it's amazing that he went from that and now he's in a. Criminal Minds spinoff. It's yeah. awesome. I think his like he's taking the like the Mega Q route too, or you know, you you know, get your work in in Hong Kong or Asia, and then you come back and Mega Q was in Hong Kong. Yeah, she was in a bunch of Hong Kong films before coming back to the states, and you know, being La Femme Nikita, and now she, she's on that show, um, Stalker with um, that dude. <laughs> I don't know. Marvin only cares about Maggie Q. He didn't care about the other guy. Whatever. I'm all about Daniel Henny. That guy's you know. Yeah. He's. Sexy, I guess. <laughs> Good. Real man appreciates <laughs> other men. Good for you. But yeah, so it's it's been a, it's. I swear, this is what I'm saying. We're in the middle of something really cool, mm-hmm. um, very exciting because everything is is happening right now. Yeah. There's a lot of people going on tours, releasing albums, and then getting on TV, getting on yeah. film. So it's just exciting times. We're in the thick of it, y'all. Mainstream media is finally paying attention, huh? Mainstream media is finally paying attention, or mm-hmm. they're starting to realize that hmm, ABC's got this diverse lineup and it's actually doing well. Yeah, maybe we should go to it too. Thank you for everybody that tuned in, and again, watching online within what? How many days? Within the th- first three days. First three days yeah. after the show is up, it it actually counts towards the ratings and everything. So yeah. please keep watching, guys. I mean, yeah, this... catch it on Hulu, catch it on you know Amazon, the... however you consume your media. The numbers don't lie. Actually, that was another thing that I saw. Um, Ryan Higa was on CNN recently. Was he? I haven't watched the clip, but again, it's kind of like, <laughs> for us, I feel like it's a very duh thing. And it's a generational thing. It's not just an Asian American thing, but it's kind of like the young people where we consume all of our, our media online, right? It's yeah. kind of, whoa, mainstream television is kind of recognizing that, hey, this guy has millions of followers and millions and millions of views. Like, good job. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting. You know, it's a very, I just feel like we're in a generation gap. There's a culture gap, but everything's like, well, that on that note. Even then, like Ryan, he got, I feel like even when he was big, I had already aged out on his stuff, you know? Yeah. We're a little bit older, but I mean, props to him. He's still going strong. It's awesome. And, um, that whole community, you know, Mm -hmm. YouTube, they've just, it's, it's changed. YouTube has changed. The algorithms have changed. The the saturation of the market has changed. The way people, you know, going from like, oh, my God, five minutes, that's way too long. <laughs> like, I only need six seconds. What are you doing? Yeah. All that is changing. But props to anybody who can keep keep that alive. Yeah. Um, but on the whole mainstream media thing that we've been talking about, the Oscars are on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's hosting again? <laughs> MPH. Is he? I want to say yes. While you fact check, I'll stall. Do it. I'm... I've actually like have not been paying attention to the Oscars at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I've been paying it. I mean, I've been paying attention to the the films. Mm. Um, I'm just learning a lot. I mean, there's a lot of talk about how the Oscars are. It's like a very political thing. Yeah. Because the thing is, a lot of the movies that end up in the Oscars, like, not everybody, it's not the movies that everyone goes to, to watch at the theaters. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, you know, I worked in the movie industry um, a long time ago. And even then, you know, people make movies specifically to get Oscars. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like a, there's a formula now. Like, you have to, it's like a big biopic or it's a big, like, sweeping drama. Like, it's, you know, there's certain movies you see automatically and you say, okay, that movie was made for the Oscars. Or right. like, oh, this movie, they probably made for the Oscars, but now that, because they're releasing in March, they probably like decided there was another movie better right. for the studio. Right. You know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Neil Patrick Harris is hosting. That guy's funny. I love him. Oh, <laughs> I love MPH. I love Doogie Howser. Been a fan forever. And he, every time I see him now, I can't get it out of my head. I just, because when we watched Gone Girl, Marvin was here when I couldn't speak. Like, it was just too much. I just, oh, 
poor thing. Anyway, um, it's exciting, and 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 there's definitely going to be commentary. You know, definitely yeah. from the community. Um, there's always been commentary forever, not just about Asian Americans, but just about diversity in general. Um, I don't know. What's your take on it? Do you have a take on it? Um, I guess not really like personal take, but just you know, just recognizing that there were a bunch of movies that could have made it, mm-hmm. you know, more diverse that were not there. You know, you can say it's a snub, but it's also, you know, there's so, there's a lot of stuff out there. Right. You know? There's a lot of stuff out. Mm-hmm. See, and that's my question too. I could absolutely see where that stance comes from mm-hmm. and absolutely understand and support that stance. But at the same time, it's kind of like with anything, like what's the criteria yeah. and should it be, should the Oscars or should any award show, should one of their main goals be, we should have diversity representation. And as much as I'm a big forever, a big yeah. advocate of diversity, because I think that art and culture should reflect real life. Mm-hmm. Like, what are their criteria for selection? Like we're saying, yeah. if it's super political and they're super, like, there's movies and money. I don't know. It's just like, I, I kind of like, uh, <laughs> like, I care. It would be great. Okay. So, okay. Here's I what I think. I think what it is, is the big thing is there, there are some, obviously some well-made movies with a majority diverse cast, cast that, that was not recognized. Like Selma? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the big thing is just, um cried my eyes out in Selma. I guess what 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 about that film like did not meet your yeah, criteria. Like was it because I mean there's like you look at all the people that are, are nominated, everyone's really great. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So was it just you just weren't as great? Or, you know It's so subjective. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like when like we're saying even with okay mm-hmm. we're comparing collaboration to an Oscar show, which is totally accurate. Yeah, totally accurate. But <laughs> you only have so many slots, mm-hmm. right? You only have so many nominees. There are so many amazing actors. Right. Here's the thing too. It's like how are you gonna be graceful about not getting nominated or not winning? Mm-hmm. It's all of that. It's like, to what degree does everything matter? Right. So like when I think of the Oscars and I get heated and like, there's no diversity. This is BS and the da 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 right? I can, I can get on my soapbox and talk yeah. for days. But at the same time, then I go on the other tangent. I'm like, well, I don't even care. Screw the Oscars. They don't even matter. That doesn't mean anything. But if I were ever nominated for an Oscar, <laughs> like, oh my God, thank you so much. And like, it well, means I mean, the world. The it's and... all about validation. It's all about, yeah. I guess, un- like feeling like what you did mattered. And it, right. it sucks that like, in order to feel that what you didn't matter, you have to get nominated by this archaic like but thing. It's you know? archaic, but it's also like legit. If I was nominated for an Oscar, I would feel very honored. Right. I'm not gonna lie. If, if that was me and I was in a project, which it is, it's still part of you know my pipe dream. Like I would love to be part. Of, I would love to be worthy to work with people who make a quality film mm-hmm. and tell a story that's powerful and impacts culture and whatever for all time mm-hmm. through this film. I would love to be part of that. You know what I mean? And if I worked with an Oscar winning director, Oscar nominee, I would be like, that means something. Yeah. So it's a, it's a crappy paradox or like a oxymoron. You're like, I don't want to care and I don't want it to mean everything, but it means something. Right. So I don't, I don't disrespect anybody who, who like vies for it, but it's kind of like, okay, well how much is it going to matter? Are you going to like, judge your whole success or your whole life of like, did I get the Oscar or not? And I definitely know that there are people out there who really just like, that will be the ultimate. That's like the shining moment of the, if if I get an Oscar can die happy. Mm -hmm. And with the diversity thing, I'm still, I, I'm one of the people waiting. Like I want to see an Asian American actor, whoever, you know, when, when the frozen one, it's a big Mm. deal. I was so happy. We were all celebrating that. So I don't know. Haters going to hate. I think it's just something for us all chew over. I haven't quite made up my mind clearly, but I have thoughts. <laughs> yeah. It's it'll be the day. I remember Halle Berry winning and she was so emotional. I was so emotional for her. Mm, I remember that. That was a big deal. <laughs> all right. Gina Rodriguez. So we have one email and again, if you have an email, please send it over to podcast at collaboration dot org. Um from Anonymous. Mm. Um, 
I have a question about stereotypes and humor. A lot of times I find myself making jokes about being cheap and Asian, like buying things on sale and such. But recently I've been thinking whether why I feel this is okay, why I feel that this is okay when other stereotypical jokes seem out of line, such as you know, dog eating and accents. Is it really on the delivery? How do you approach stereotypical humor? Is it a zero tolerance thing or you know, is there leeway for that? Thanks for the podcast. Well, thank you for the question. That's a that's a that's a deep question. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I think Eugene talks about that in his interview. Not mm-hmm. to not to defer to Eugene, but he he makes he he had just interesting points when we were talking with him about him making the stereotypical joke before anybody else around him, including his white or non Asian friends, could make them. Right, right. He would beat them to the punch, and that's how he would deal with. Instead of being the victim of stereotypes, it's like, I'm going to, like, right. I, I got to you first. I mean, that's the whole thing where it's like, when we say it's okay, yeah, um, it's not really okay, but it's like a defense mechanism, you know? The thing is, I mean, like, who's, who, who's okay are we looking for? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I feel, I make stereotypical jokes all the time. Yeah. I make fun of whatever i mean if you're looking at things like fresh out the boat you know people are you know there's a lot of jokes that stem from stereotypes you mm-hmm. know a lot of their jokes subverted but you know you see a lot of people on twitter saying taking those stereotypes and using that as a reason to not like the show right 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 i th- I think with stereotypical jokes it's kind of like it's it is in the delivery kind of, and the delivery stems from what's the sentiment behind it is it to be vicious is it to be um right to use it as a weapon mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, what yeah. was, the, what was the intent with that? And who, who said it? I do think that there is a little bit of, lee- there is leeway. Yeah. If Asian people make the stereotypical joke, it is not the same as if a non-Asian person makes the stereotypical right. Asian joke. You know what I mean? And a lot of people probably make it because they think, you know, oh, like you're my Asian friend, so it's okay. And if it's not okay, it's, you know, you should let them know it's not okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Honestly, again, I was with friends who were white last night and they were making Asian jokes. I thought it was funny mm-hmm. because they're funny. And I guess it's a, it's, it's a gray area. Right. But in general, yeah, when people who are not Asian make me the butt of their joke by referring to me or my friends or my family or whatever right. in a way that's demeaning or just, just like straight up making fun instead of, you know... I guess that is the delivery. Like it, it gets me mad and defensive mm-hmm. and it's taken me a long time to vocalize like, okay, not cool. Right. Uh, not funny before I would laugh with it. Like, <laughs> and inside I'm dying. I'm like pissed off and ready to like, <laughs> hurt somebody. Yeah. But you know, that takes time and finding your, you can't say that. Yeah. Not funny. And that's what Eugene also talks about. Yeah. He talks about beating people to the punch with their stereotypical joke. Um, and that's not okay for other people to say, it, but it's okay for him to say it. Right. And um, not being scared to call people out if they're being racist. Yeah. I think that's what it all comes down to is just not being afraid of being seen as, you know, having feelings about those type of things, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of times you might be afraid of, you know, sticking out or, you know, getting mock them even more mm-hmm. but you know if you stay silent and it does bother you it's just gonna always bother you mm-hmm. it's never gonna not bother you mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a that's a tough call i don't i don't know if we even answered it those are my thoughts on it i think yeah. it's understandable if you're gonna make the stereotypical joke especially if it is something that you can attest to as being true as part of your life experience mm-hmm. um and if you feel like it's a cop-out and if you feel like it's a cheap joke then don't make it that's also your choice too. You know, right. no one's forcing you to. You know, it's not going to make you a good Asian or bad Asian, whatever the heck you want to call that, right. by making that cheap joke. Yeah. But sometimes they're very true and they're funny. <laughs> yeah. So you do you, anonymous. Yeah. You do you. You do you. We we'll back you. Yeah. 100%. All right. Um, some upcoming events this um this week or coming up this month. Uh, if you're in New York City, there is a happy hour coming on going on tomorrow at the Headless Horseman at 7 p.m. Check out the Collaboration New York Facebook page for more details. Uh, Collab-, Collab New York is also doing a open mic in April, and their applications are open now. And Houston has an open mic uh, Thursday 
February 26th at the Stage Lounge. So check that out too. Their last one was popping. Yeah, check out the picture. It's awesome. The Houston's got swag. Like Texas <laughs> has swag. Okay, well, I'm going to get off the Texas train, but not really. You got to visit Houston. Yeah, I do. They were very upset that you're talking about Texas, but I've been to Houston. Didn't know that was a requirement. I am referring to the staff who I know personally and dearly, and I love you guys. So calm down. <laughs> but you've never been. I'll be there. I'm saying they're from Houston and whatever. God. Nitpicky. You hear that now. She's promised to come this year. Yeah. It's July 24th. It is, huh? Mm-hmm. Where are you staying or going straight to Chicago afterwards? I'll probably go straight to Chicago afterwards. Mm-hmm. We'll come early and hang out. Yeah. All right. It'll be fun. Sounds great. Um, you can catch uh, um, the past episodes of the podcast at collaboration.org. Um, we're going to have, hopefully, have the RSS feed set up soon so you can subscribe to us either through the feed or through iTunes. Um, but that's, you know, hopefully within the next month that'll be set up. Um, again, if you have any questions or you comments for us, um, please write to podcast at collaboration.org. And that's it for this week. Happy New Year again. You all take care. How do you say it? Gong hei fa choi? Gong hei fa choi. How? Gong hei fa choi is Cantonese. Oh, okay. How? You, we're recovering. Both. You say it again. Oh, gong hei fa choi. Gong hei fa choi. Yeah. And Korean. Yep. Yep. All right. See you guys. Bye, guys.